guys welcome back to the channel Tavares here and I'm a little bit on on cloud nine right now I'm on cloud nine if you guys follow the YouTube page that you saw the video we uploaded yesterday that mentioned we have officially launched our pre-order for our book Godly Dating 101 uh, man I started this ministry 2012 the end of 2012 and to see 10 years later God blessed me and my wife with the opportunity to write a book um, to put these messages, sometimes it's so hard to get our message out, you know, in, in social media posts and Twitter um, posts and all those things. But man, this book dives deep to the things of God that man, I, I, I'm really, I'm really elated. I don't really know what to say. I know you guys came on because you wanted to hear about the narcissist, but can I do my intro? Can I tell y'all, tell you guys, you know, all of you that listen to the channel, even when you disagree with me. Even though you may think I'm harsh at times, even when you feel as though he could have said that better. Can we hear Safa? We need something sweeter. Um, Safa does write in a book for those of you who get tired of me, <laughs> but it's just amazing. Um, um, so if, before I even dive into this episode, I want to encourage you guys that it doesn't matter what anybody says about you or what anybody thinks about you. When God gives you a vision, you stick to it. Um, you know, if I can only tell you guys since being a kid and I'm telling my mom, well, I'm going to school for journalism. And at the time, you know, I had such great um, desires about being the medical field. So for her to hear that, she already knew, you know, it was a writing school there that wanted me to go to their magnet school. I'm, I'm doing a little bit of rambling. Let's just talk about it. But it's the fact that all of those years growing up where I thought, you know, got made fun of because of um, deciding to try to be abstinent and deciding to being church and deciding to try to wait on marriage and all of those things that made people made fun of me about God had a purpose behind it. Um, so to see Godly Dating 101 to go from just a thought to becoming something that blows up on social media to becoming a resource for other people, whether you're older, whether you're younger, to live for God, it's surely amazing. I, mean, I know some of you guys, you didn't come on for all of that, um, you know, so I'm sorry for, for, for boring some of you, you know what I mean, but <laughs> the book is available for pre-order. I am so excited. The book is available for pre-order. Um, go to gollydating101book.com or you just go straight to Amazon, whatever book um, source you, you want to reach out to. You'll see the book will be released to you guys September 13th whether you want Audible or anything. Um, but it is available for pre-order, and if you do pre-order, there are some great incentives that only those who pre-order will get. I know some people, they wait, hey, let me tell me if the book is good, and then they'll check it out. But there are some incentives that you will not see unless you get it early. Um, so I want to um, tell you guys about it. And yeah, I, I do want to go into the video. So go ahead and like, share. I'll give a um, quick shout-out to today's sponsor of the podcast, and then we'll start our episode. Now work for my sponsor, BetterHelp. Now, a lot of us, we take care of everything that's important to us. We make sure we do all our maintenance around the home, physical health. A lot of us, we're hitting the gym. A lot of us, we're, we're trying to eat the right things. We're doing everything to support every other aspect other than our mental health. And I believe that our mental health is something that should never be neglected. So that's the reason why I'm suggesting BetterHelp Online Therapy. I believe that when you speak to someone, because sometimes your friends may not know the right words to give you. Family members may give you the wrong advice, to be honest. Um, but when you speak to a lot of trained professional therapists, they're able to help you see what it is that you're truly dealing with and help you face that. And I believe that's another avenue that you can bring things to God in prayer about, about things that you didn't even realize that you were struggling with. So I believe that is something that you will truly not regret if you take the time to speak with a, a trained professional. 
So BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat therapy sessions. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy. You can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. And by you being one of our listeners, our listeners will get 10% off their first month by going to betterhelp.com slash godly. As you see the link on the, on the on the screen and you'll see in the description box that's better com slash godly. Now back to the episode. So guys, so now I want to talk a little bit about either being narcissistic or dating someone who exhibits some of these traits. Now I want to talk a little bit about a couple characters in the Bible that I believe maybe you don't want to call them a narcissist, but at the same time they exhibited certain things that we don't want to emulate not in our character as Christians or not in our type of relationships. And you need to be able to spot that in a person you're dating because a lot of times we get into relationships with people and we think just because they're Christian, they can't fall into this category or they're not Christian, but they're so sweet and they're they're so loving and all those things. When in reality, some of these narcissists, they, they build you up something called love bombing only to use it against you in, the, in a later time. I'm not going to get into that. Because narcissism is already something that I'm trying to understand more, you know, so it's not like I'm I'm an expert. I used to think that it was just a matter of um, people who are full of themselves. But this is actually something that you're clinically diagnosed with. Um, but a lot of people who fall into the narcissistic category will exhibit some of the things that I'll mention today that I want us to pay attention to, um, you know, so I want us to understand that. Before we get into the specific things, we may have to address some of the narcissism that that is within us. And I say within us because I think some believers don't realize how quickly the social media generation has caused us to focus so much on ourselves. Um, Hear me out. You'll see someone do something great. Um, Like I have a pastor in Virginia. He just went to another country. Man, I wish I knew what country it was. He just went um, to Zambia. Had a great time. I saw saw other people post, um, you know, clips of the the missions field. But I think there are some times where we go to, uh, say, a missionary trip, and I'm not using them as an example. I'm just thinking of my pastor. You know, I love him. Pastor Travis Worthington, amazing guy from Virginia. If you're looking for church in Virginia, hit me up. But this guy, not this guy, but there are some people in our generation, whereas they'll go there and God gives them the great opportunity to witness the souls, people who haven't heard the gospel before, people who may need truth or people who may need love. And there's some people that'll go there with the right motives. They'll go there and they want to serve them. But there are some people who feel as though, well, this is my vacation time. And, and bear in mind, you may say that's not narcissistic. Yeah, but you have to understand one of the things about narcissists, they're very self-absorbed. This social media generation has caused us to focus so much on ourselves when we want to feed the homeless. There are times when my church growing up, we go to feed. Well, every church does it. But I remember a lot of times going to feed the church, feed the homeless growing up in my church. My dad is always one of the first people in the line feeding, giving them um, hygienic stuff because, you know, they don't brush their teeth and they don't have clean socks and all those type of things, giving out blankets and all that. But you knew there were people that were there just to take selfies. Hey, you know, see me and this homeless guy. We ever see somebody give out food to someone um, and bear in mind, I love seeing videos of people on TikTok or stuff like that, that they hand stuff to, to the poor and help them out. But it makes me wonder, was your motive to help people or was your motive to be seen? Because Jesus spoke about that when he spoke about these Pharisees. He said, don't pray out on the corners like these people. They're just doing all these fancy things because they want to be seen and respected by everybody else. That's their reward that they're going to get. But Jesus was letting us know that we shouldn't aim to do certain things just for attention. And I believe that narcissists are very self-absorbed, not 
they, they have no desire to want to serve others, but their goal is let me serve myself. So that's the first thing I want you to understand about narcissists. They're very self-absorbed. Now, I want you to understand that every person who's conceited is not a narcissist. Okay, let's let's make that clear. But every narcissist is conceited. <laughs> you know if that makes sense? Um, just because somebody's full of themselves or prideful doesn't automatically make them a narcissist. But that shows a tendency of someone who is narcissist. And those are something very dangerous for us to fall into. This is way bigger than taking pictures. Like I told you guys already, this is something that is a personality disorder. You know, this is the behavior of somebody who's extremely self-involved. You know those people who, you know what I mean, I just can't. The makeup kiss can't touch my face because if a little bit of makeup gets messed up or if a little bit of this gets messed up, it's like they're so worried about self. They're so worried about how everybody's going to perceive them that it's an issue or they're so worried about making themselves look good. Um, I, I had a, yeah, I was a preacher at my home church growing up that I thought was absolutely crazy. You guys are going to hear a story about him. You're going to automatically assume he's crazy if you've never seen something like that done in your church, right? So he knew it was becoming a problem um, with the vanity that was coming about with our, our young people at the time, um, you know, not realizing that we're becoming so self-absorbed that we're no longer focusing on the glory of God. And I remember he used uh, he used a young lady as an example. Man, I'm trying to remember what exactly did he use. He either used olive oil or he used a bottle of water. She just got her hair done. Um, she was black. So <laughs> you can't you can't mess with a black woman's hair when she just got out the salon, you know what I'm saying? But he, I don't remember if whether it's the oil or the water, whatever it was. It wasn't upsetting to the point that he damaged her hair, but it was some. It was just the fact that he messed it up. Or times where he's used me as an example, and it's like say say sit on the floor or take off this or whatever it is, and you may look like all of those things don't really show the gospel. I get that, I respect that. To each your own. But this man of God taught me something. There are times where we get so full of ourselves that we forget about God, right? There's so many people who are narcissists that they don't care about the glory of God. They care about the glory of themselves. And now God is trying to get us to get to a point where we humble ourselves. Whereas while he messed up her hair to show her you're not in church for you to be examined or for you to be the, the woman that everybody wants or for you to be the woman that focuses on how everybody views you. That's how narcissists view themselves. But we have to get back to the point where we're, we're coming to the house of God to focus on God. We're getting to a relationship, not just to serve ourselves, but to showcase the glory of God. That is the real purpose of marriage. I don't know if anybody realizes that, but marriage is supposed to help sanctify us to become the person God has created us to be. Marriage is called, is, is the point of marriage is to chisel away the things in us to get us to become more holy, not just to be happy. Happiness is a great aspect to marriage. Sex is a great aspect of marriage, but everything that God allows us to indulge in should help sanctify us to become more like who he's called us to be. Now, you may say, well, you could teach me that without pouring water on my head. I agree. But there are some times where we have to realize that we cannot allow ourselves to become so self-absorbed because these are the type of people, they don't really care to let you speak. Um, maybe you could comment below in the comment section. Have you ever been on a date with somebody and it's like, or you're just talking to somebody via text, FaceTime, whatever, and they don't let you speak? You ask them, how was your day? You know, and they're telling you on and on and on and on and on, this and that, this and that. They're telling you all about themselves, but they never ask you about your day in return. They're never focused on your issues in return. They're never focused on your concerns in return. It's all about me. And that's the issue with narcissism. So if you're seeing that in the person you're with, that is a huge red flag. Because if you're having a bad day and they don't care, as long as they can talk about their day, 
that does not change after marriage. If you're on a, a date with somebody and they show zero interest in you, but they the, the thing that they love about you is how much attention you give them. The thing that they love about you is how much you respect them. Then you can realize this is actually an issue. I want you to sh- um, see something. And obviously th- these verses aren't talking about dating, but I want you to see a principle. Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take interest in others too. See, the Bible makes it clear that being full of yourself is an ungodly characteristic that we should not have. For any person you're dating, they should not be operating in the sense of, I'm here to be served and it's not about you. But the goal should be to look at the interests of others. The goal should be not to focus on me and my wife, Safa. My goal shouldn't be, well, how can Safa make me happier? How can Safa serve me? But what I should be doing, well, what is my wife like? And I should be trying to go do that. Or before there's an issue, going to take care of it before my wife has to say something. That is what you call actually dating someone who places you above themselves. And I'm not saying, you know, you can see every aspect of a person while dating. Some things you really don't know until marriage, but you should be able to spot certain qualities in that person prior to you getting into a commitment with them. You know, so many of us get into relationships, unfortunately, trying to figure out how we can be served rather than trying to serve others. And I believe that it's it's a normal thing for humans to try to take care of themselves first. And I believe that's one of the reasons why Jesus probably tells us, um, love your neighbor as yourself. Because you can't love people properly if you don't even love yourself. You know, and a lot of people, what they do is they love themselves so much that the neighbors get the leftover. Well, I can't focus on you because I don't have to focus on me. But no, but Jesus is calling us to love them the same way. The same way you want yourself to look nice is the same way you should make sure someone else does. The same way you want yourself to be financially blessed. Same way some of y'all should be a blessing to others. Just saying. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters. And, what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another aspect that we need to pay attention to in regards to figuring out if we are exhibiting narcissism or if we're dating someone um, with narcissism uh, characteristics is the person who needs an excessive amount of admiration. Bear in mind. Many of us, we understand that um, amazing book, The Five Love Languages, that one of the the primary love languages of, of people around the world is words of affirmation. There's nothing wrong with desiring to, to be respected, to be cherished, to be valued, to be told, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for what you did. There's nothing wrong with any of these things, but the problem is, is when we live off of it. Now, I want you to see something. These verses aren't about dating, but it's a principle that I want you guys to see as well. In 1 Samuel 18, 7 through 9, this is the story about Saul and David. This is not too long after David kills Goliath and the women in the city are going crazy. 1 Samuel 18, 7 through 9, this was their song. Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. This made Saul very angry. What's this, he said. They credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands. Next, they'll be making him their king. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. Now, Saul may not have been 
a narcissist. Nobody back there was clinically telling somebody they had narcissism. They probably just thought he had a demon. You know what I'm saying? But he did exactly what many narcissists do. Crave attention. Saul did what many of us do, and we don't want to admit it, but we crave that attention. We want everybody to follow us. We don't really want our friends to be blessed. We want God to bless them, but not more than us. We don't want people to have money. We want, hey, you can have money, but just not more than me. We don't really care if God does anything in their lives as long as he's doing more in mine. And that's crazy because that's narcissistic behavior. I want us to see this because Saul had no issue with David prior to this. David gave him his resume and he's like, hey, young man, um, you're too young to be going out there to fight the giant. And he's like, well, when he approached Saul, he was like, well, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? I think he's going to defy the armies of the living God. So he's letting him know, like, you think I'm going to let this guy come insult my God? I know what my God is able to do through my hands. God has allowed me to kill a bear. I've been able to kill a lion. I've been protecting sheep my whole time. So this is no big issue for me to go out of here and defeat Goliath. So now he's getting ready to defeat Goliath and Saul offers his armor. And he's like, well, I'm not going to use your armor. This is too heavy for me. I don't. I don't fight like this. All I need is a slingshot and a couple stones. And David decides, I'm not going to go up to him with a sword and all these things, but I'm going to go in the name of the Lord. God is going to protect me. God is going to use me and I'm going to get the victory. And David and Saul is like, hey, little man, go ahead. You, you young, you're young and dumb. You go ahead and fight this guy. That's probably how Saul is probably looking at him. But when Saul sees that David gets the victory, that didn't upset Saul. Saul did not get upset until David got praised by the women. Saul did not get upset until the people praising David praised David more than him. Hold on. What do you mean? David only killed one man. Why are women thinking he's killed his ten thousands? Nah, that's that's unacceptable. And that's a behavior that a lot of us may have in church. You see, you may say, well, what does that have to do with dating? Saul was willing to kill David because other people was praising him. Saul, there are so many of us that are operating like Saul in our relationships. There are so many of you who are dating a Saul in your relationship, and they're willing to kill a healthy relationship if they're not getting enough attention. You are willing to give up on somebody because, nah, I need more attention, and that's narcissistic behavior. They're willing to walk away from you because, nah, other people seem to like her more than me. Other people seem to like him more than me, and you don't realize, well, God, am I exhibiting narcissistic behavior? It seems as though every time I try to record this podcast, there's a garbage truck. Well, at this point, I'm going to just have to deal with these garbage trucks because it's the only time the kid's going to give me. Um, been a hectic week with both the kids home. Um, but a narcissist can even be something we see from Saul that can be in spiritual leadership. And I know this is a page about dating, but I try to target all aspects of, of our Christian life for us to understand areas we need to improve as believers and in the church. But we see that Saul was willing to kill David. He does not want David getting more praise than him. So he's willing to throw javelins at him. He's willing to be angry at him. He's willing to stoop down to a level that no leader should be at because of the spirit of narcissism, that that narcissistic mentality that he had. So we shouldn't be dating somebody that feels the need to have constant affirmation just for them to know where we stand. Obviously, if that's your love language, hey, cool. But if somebody doesn't praise you that day and you don't feel as though they love you, then that shows it's more than a love language. It's an addiction. When you begin to crave that, it becomes a drug. And when you don't get that fixed, now you're upset. 
You're upset with people that you should be loving. You're upset with people that you should be serving. Saul should be happy that he had somebody like David on his side, but instead he wants him dead. Many of us, we are, we're able to get these good relationships, but because of a narcissistic mentality, we want it to end or we're not able to cultivate the type of godly relationship God desires because of a self-absorbed mentality. So we have to be careful of that, you know. So if you're living for compliments, you're going to die by criticism. That's just point blank period. So relationships call for us to love and serve someone else more than ourselves. And if you are in a relationship, just focus on how I can be served, how I can get my needs met, then clearly you are not ready for relationships yet. So the last thing I'll mention about that, people who show signs of narcissism are often liking, they're often like surrounding themselves with people who feed their ego. Think about it. Think about any person you know who's full of themselves. They're constantly having people tell them how great they are. They're constantly telling people how good looking she is and how good looking he is. And they're not around people that can correct them. You're not around people that are able to build you up through correction. You're not allowed people. You're not accepting people in your life that are bringing accountability. Those are things we need to take into consideration. No one is challenging you. No one is correcting you. And maybe you're looking at the person you're dating as, are they the narcissist? But start thinking about yourself. When is the last time someone has corrected you, corrected you without you cutting them off? When was the last time you decided, well, I'm going to love someone and not cut them off? You know, so if you're thinking that you're able to, to just be around people that only tell you what you want to hear, you're not going to grow spiritually. You're not going to become who God calls you to be. Because think about the process of iron sharpening iron. That's a painful process. That's not something where you just sit through and no one tells you anything you don't like. You're going to hear things you don't like. You're going to hear things your flesh doesn't like, but it makes you better in the end. So that's just something I need you guys to listen to because I believe that narcissists, they, they're a type of people who barely accept responsibility for their negative behavior. One of the things that you'll find that they do is called gaslighting. Where gaslighting is also something I'm trying to process all of it about. I'm not a psychologist. This should have been an episode I found a psychologist to talk about all of these things. But I want you to understand that when they gaslight you, they're making you doubt reality. Whereas you know they're doing something wrong, but they're like, that's in your head. You're crazy. They start making you feel like you're crazy. Anybody ever dated somebody like that? I'm sure you have because I think we've all been there. You tell them like, hey, I don't like when you're, when you're flirting with that girl over there. Hey, um, I don't like when... You have too many guy friends, and it seems as though all of them are trying to get at you. you. I'm just saying it looks, it makes me uncomfortable. And instead of them addressing the issue, what they'll tell you is you're overthinking. It's all in your head. Why are you so insecure? Why are you? Why is it always a problem? You're tripping. You should listen, man. That's all in your feelings. They make you feel like what you're seeing isn't an issue. They want you to feel as though what you're dealing with is not real. And these type of people will confuse you and start having you question your self worth. You begin to start questioning your judgment. You begin to start questioning your identity because now you're starting to stay like, well, am I crazy? Like, did I re- did that really happen? Now your memory is foggy because it's like, well, I love them and they want to lie to me. So if they tell me it's all in my head, then it must always be in my head. I'm telling you, in this, in, in this scenario, these are the type of people that are constantly, perpetually just lying because they know all I have to do is manipulate you and you're going to do what I want you to do. These are the type of people you have to be careful of because gaslighting, they'll tell you, they'll discredit you to your friends. You know what I'm saying? They'll tell your friends, you know, they're, they'll make somebody trying to help you, but in reality, they may t- put your friends against you. They may put your family against you. I know some people who claim churches have been against them. And these, and that's all because of people that gaslighted them. Think about it. 
So one thing that you'll see them doing is shifting blame. That's a that's a type of gaslighting tactic. You know, no matter what you do, no matter what they do, they weren't a problem. Well, I wouldn't have done that if you didn't do this. Well, that only happened because you said this. Well, we're only arguing because you overstepped. And it's no matter what it is, they shift the blame. Well, I only did this because, uh, well, nah, the only reason why I had to lie is because in this scenario, I had, you know what I'm saying? So I want you to understand this sounds very familiar. Let's think about the Bible. Where did we see that happen before? Genesis 3. 8 through 13. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden. So I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God said, Lord God asked, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. Then Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? And now the woman says, the serpent deceived me. She replied, that's why I ate it. So we see God goes ahead and who told you that you're naked? Um, did somebody put something in your mind that shouldn't have been there? And he's like, well, the only reason why I knew I was naked is because that lady is the reason why I got exposed to that fruit. I, I wasn't even going to eat it if you didn't make me marry her. You brought her to me. Remember God. That's that's how the convert. That's how that's Adam's demeanor towards God. And now when Adam when God goes to the woman, the woman is like, "Well, God, um, the serpent caused it because I wasn't even going to touch a tree. You know, God, I was looking at the mangoes over there, but there was a serpent that came out of nowhere, and, and now he's convinced. And that's the demeanor we've had since Adam and Eve. None of us are willing to accept this behavior. And I'm not saying Adam and Eve were narcissists. That's not what I'm saying. But I want you to understand that narcissistic behavior is more common than you think. We are shifting blame. You know, we have to prove a point. You know, we, it, it wasn't me. It had to be somebody else because there's no way. All of us fall into these tendencies, man. Do you do it as a kid? Did you take the cookie out of the cookie jar? No, no, no. It wasn't me. It was somebody else. No one else lives here. So you took the cookie out of the cookie jar. You know what I mean? But we have to understand that when God confronted them, they've been, we've been shifting blame. People who shift blame are good at gaslighting, which is what a lot of narcissists do. They will not own up to their mistakes. If you're a person listening to me right now and you're trying to figure out what your ex is doing wrong or the person you're dating is doing wrong, and you may not be looking at yourself to say, maybe I did do something wrong, then that shows a lack of maturity that you may not even be ready for a relationship. Because you, trust me, marriage is between two big forgivers. I, I, I believe they, uh, there's a quote that says something like, a healthy marriage is between two forgivers. Like, Because you're always exercising forgiveness. You have to be willing to forgive. But you cannot forgive when there's no acceptance of reality. You did something wrong, but I forgive you. You know what I mean? If you're not willing to accept that I did something wrong, how am I going to change when I'm never wrong? And that's what a narcissist does. They shift blame. They're very condescending. They'll make it seem like you're the problem. Romans 14, 12 tells us that every person gives an account to God, right? Now we see in, in James 5, 16, confess your faults one to another, you know, and then the prayer. And then, you know, you'll find healing because your brothers and sisters will be able to pray for you. So we see that the Bible mentions that there must be accountability between us and God. There must be accountability between us and our brothers and sisters. The only other aspect of accountability many of us may not accept is accountability that we must have within ourselves. I did wrong. I can't say I did wrong because she made me do it. The devil made me do it. They only did it because everyone else was doing it. No. If you avoid accountability, 
Step away from relationships for a bit and ask God to work on you. We have to be willing to do this. And the last thing I'll say about them is just they're very condescending. They don't recognize other people's emotions, other people's feelings, how they're hurting people, how they're harming people, with the things that they're saying or things that they're doing. You know, it's a bit like you're operating with like a sense of entitlement. You feel as though I have the right to be who I am. Do you know who I am? Yeah, I'm Kevin Durant. You know, <laughs> Kevin Durant's not a um, narcissist. You know, <laughs> I'm sorry. I probably should have should have put his name in this episode. But there's a quote. I'll probably put it in, in in the end. But it's the fact that people operate like you owe me some. Do you know how much money I have in my account? Do you know who I am? I'm the best, I'm the best preacher you've ever seen. I'm the best looking girl you've ever seen. I'm this and I'm that. You know what I mean? And it, I probably should have measured the, the KD thing. That was me being foolish. But this is a form of emotional abuse that many struggle with. You know, many of you. Who many people who do struggle with this, I don't think they even listen to these types of podcasts because they don't want to be told the truth. You know what I mean? And maybe it, many of you listening may have spotted yourself in some of these things and now you're realizing, okay, I have a little bit of work to do. I have some things to pray about, ask God to deliver. You know, so if you're if you're a person and you're dating someone who's dealing with any of these and they're willing to listen to you when you tell them, hey, these are some things you have to correct, then yes, please address it. And if they fix it, that's a healthy sign. That's a sign that somebody wants to grow, that somebody could be in a relationship with, and I believe that that can be a healthy marriage. Um, but if this is a person that's going to deflect and pretend that you're the problem, they're going to be rude, they're going to shift it back on you, they're going to be condescending, they're so self-absorbed, they're not even paying, any, paying you any attention, then I need you to understand that's a red flag that you need to get out of the relationship. Because this is not carnival, red flags are not going to change colors, it's, it's going to be red, whether you're single or dating or married. If you see that red flag and it goes unaddressed, it will be the same. But if you're a person who found yourself guilty of any of these four things, or you want to recommend these four things, um, found yourself guilty of any of these, there are four things that I want you to, to do. Number one, do more than read the Bible. Too many Christians only read the Bible. Actually study and apply. Take notes and see how you can apply it to your life, right? Because the only thing that can transform you is the word of God. The Bible says in Romans 12 and 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Self-absorbed people, he can change the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Number two, prayer and fasting. The two-minute prayer you do before eating your food and the one-minute prayer before you fall asleep after watching three hours of Netflix is not enough prayer. There was a time where the disciples tried to cast out a demon and they were not able to. Jesus told them, this kind doesn't come out but by prayer and fasting. There are some things, some behaviors, some mindsets, some habits that we have that can only be broken through the power of God's anointing. Without the anointing, without the Holy Spirit breaking chains in your life, you will have those same bad habits until the day that you leave this earth. The third thing is allow leadership and godly counsel to challenge you. To challenge the way you think and cause you to adjust your thinking and your, your, your negative thinking towards others or even towards yourself. You know, some of those actions have to be addressed. You know, Proverbs 12 and 15 tells us this. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. So if you want to grow, you'll have accountability. And the fourth thing I'll say is this. If you want to see actual change from narcissistic behavior, you will go to gollydating101book.com, pre-order our book. You'll allow it to read. read. You'll read it while it's reading you. Trust me. 
you'll enjoy that book. But for all of you that stay to the end, I love you guys. I appreciate all you guys who are going to pre-order, who's going to tell your friends to pre-order, who's going to get two copies, three copies to share with other people, Christmas gifts or whatever it is. Yeah, but we love you guys and I'll be seeing you next week. Peace.